This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery... Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Instant Genius, a bite-sized masterclass in podcast form. I'm Jason Goodger, commissioning editor at BBC Science Focus magazine. In this episode, I speak to chemist and geologist Tim Gregory about DART, NASA's exciting mission to deflect the path of an asteroid by crashing a spacecraft into it. We're here to talk about the the DART mission, which is the the mission to knock an asteroid off its path. So first off, can you sort of sum up what the mission's about, you know, what its acronym means and and this sort of thing for me? So with it being a NASA mission, they love a good acronym. DART is no exception. It stands for the Double Asteroid Redirection Test. And it's essentially a big science experiment to see if crashing a spacecraft into an asteroid is a good way to change its orbit around the sun and potentially deflect an Earth-crossing asteroid away from being Earth-crossing in the future, should that happen, or rather, when that happens. Yeah, so the the, the asteroids, well, the, the clue's in the title, really, the double asteroid redirection test. So can you tell me a bit about the asteroid targets that, the, that are the object of this mission, please? Yeah, so double asteroid, it's it's kind of a cool little system because much like the Earth has a celestial companion with the Moon, some asteroids have celestial companions too. We call them binary asteroids. And and this particular asteroid really is asteroids because it's a binary system. It's made from two individual objects, Didymus A, which is about 780 metres across. That's about seven football pitches. And its smaller companion, Dimorphos, which is 160 metres across. And the DART mission is going to target the smaller of the two, Dimorphos. So why was this particular binary asteroid system chosen as the target for the mission? 
So it's important to stress that this particular asteroid system doesn't pose a threat to the Earth. It was merely just chosen as a target for this science experiment. And it was chosen from a few different candidates based on its orbit around the Sun. Um, it's got a very well-determined orbit. And once DART crashes into this, this asteroid, we'll be able to track the new orbit to see if it's changed. So whereabouts is this, uh, this pair of asteroids at the moment then? How far away from Earth? So they're, they're a long way from the Earth. DART launched last year, actually, in November, aboard a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket, and it's going to collide into, into this asteroid on the 26th of September, if everything goes to plan. And so, you know, although these objects are relatively close to the Earth, relative to outer solar system objects and Mars, it still takes the best part of a year to get to them. So what are we talking about when we're talking about these asteroids then? Like, do we know anything about their composition and that sort of thing? So one of the really sort of mind-blowing things about these asteroids is that we don't actually know a lot about them other than their orbital parameters. We don't know what they look like. We don't know exactly what they're made of. Um, and that's actually true for basically every single asteroid in the solar system. The word asteroid means star-like because the astronomers who first started spotting these objects in the sky, they noticed that they were just point sources of light in the sky through their telescopes like stars. But Similar to planets, they seem to move from night to night against the fixed backdrop of stars, hence the name asteroid star-like. And even to modern telescopes, asteroids are so small that they still appear as point sources. There's only a small handful of asteroids that we've ever got up close and personal with, with space missions. And this particular asteroid system, we won't know exactly what it looks like or its exact sort of geological makeup until we get up close and personal in 12 days' time. So what does what does DART look like? What sort of instruments does it have on board, you know? And what's it going to do when it reaches these asteroids? So DART is is quite a hefty spacecraft. It weighs more than half a ton. It's 610 kilograms. And so when it slams into the asteroid, it's going to impart quite a lot of inertia, which is, well, the hope is that it's going to change the asteroid's course by a predictable way that we'll be able to measure going forward into the future. And one of my favourite things about this mission is that stowed on board, there's a CubeSat and CubeSats are tiny little miniature satellites. Um, they're sort of the size of a champagne bottle, that sort of size. And this particular CubeSat is Italian in origin, and it's got a camera on board, and it is going to be the only witness to the collision with this asteroid. And so, you know, we'll be waiting with bated breath for this CubeSat to beam back images of the collision when it finally does happen. So at the time of impact, I think um, the, the DART and the asteroid system are going to be more than 10 million kilometres from Earth. Is that right? Yes, that's right. They're an awful long way from Earth, and our only eyes, sort of, on the on the event are going to be this CubeSat. And over the you know the intervening weeks, months, and years, it's going to be ground based telescopes that track the new orbit of the asteroid around the Sun to see exactly how much it's been deflected. So, how how do the scientists sort of navigate towards the asteroids then over this incredibly long distance? How does DART actually get there? Because you said it, like it's only eight hundred meters across. Yeah, that's right. So it's got an onboard camera that's sort of fixed onto the asteroid. Um, we can track them pretty well from the from the surface of the Earth using ground-based telescopes. And, you know, over the last couple of weeks, there have been a couple of rocket boosts to steer DART towards its target. And the final rocket boost, interestingly, will be entirely done by the spacecraft computer. It's going to be hands-off in the in the sort of the, the final countdown to impact it's going to be completely automated i guess in the same the same sort of bated breath moment as the mars rovers landing on the surface of mars when it, the computer takes over and we all sit here on earth thinking oh goodness has it worked so it's going to be quite an exciting day when the collision happens 
So I've, I've read some things about people describing the collision as kinetic impact. So that sounds a bit like a, you know, a pair of trendy trainers to me. So what, what, what exactly does that mean? Maybe NASA should release a pair of trendy trainers called kinetic impact. I'd, I'd definitely buy a pair of them. So one of the things that we don't know how to do yet as a species, and you know, particularly as a spacefaring species, is deflect asteroids and change their course around the sun. And there are many weird and wonderful ways that we might achieve that aim. And kinetic impact is essentially what it says on the tin. It's, it's slamming a spacecraft into an asteroid to ever so slightly nudge its orbit around the sun away from the Earth. And it sounds impossible that something as lightweight as a spacecraft, even a spacecraft like DART, which weighs more than half a tonne, could possibly nudge something like an asteroid, which weighs millions of tonnes. But you don't need to nudge an asteroid by very much for it to miss the Earth entirely, because these things, it's important to kind of get your head around. They're not travelling in straight lines towards the Earth, or at least if we found an asteroid heading towards the Earth, it wouldn't be travelling in a straight line. These things are in orbit around the sun, along with the planets, including the Earth, and so you don't have to nudge their trajectory around the sun by very much, you know, fractions of a degree, and you'll miss the Earth by millions of miles. And so kinetic impact is, is slamming a spacecraft into an asteroid to try and deflect it. But there are other ways that you could possibly do it as well. There's, there's a particularly inventive method that I like, but it's, it's never been tried, and that's painting the surface of an asteroid, and that will change its reflective properties, which kind of, it almost turns it into like a natural engine as the, as the asteroid reflects sunlight off the painted side of the asteroid. That reflected sunlight might be enough just to push the asteroid out of its orbit away from the Earth. So this is brand new uncharted territory for our species. So you mentioned the, the little Italian CubeSat. Presumably, it would, that takes a bit of a time to beam back data. But is there any chance, you know, that we, as as members of the public, we're going to be able to watch this this whole thing take place? Oh, I'm I'm, I'm sure NASA will be doing lots of press on the day. This is this is gaining traction in the media slowly. Actually, I've noticed over the last couple of days a few news stories about it. And with this mission being the first of its kind, I'm I'm hoping that NASA will do a live stream similar to the one that they did for this the James Webb Space Telescope image press release a couple of couple of months ago. So once. This, uh, you know, let's presume this mission's been a success, that it's successfully collided with the, with the asteroid. How then do we go about figuring out how successful the mission is? Well, I guess that's the thing. We, we're not exactly sure what's going to happen. Um, there are computer models that have been run that will predict exactly how much this asteroid will be deflected. And there will be predictions about the new orbit of the asteroid after impact. And I guess exactly how close observational data will match with those models, will tell us exactly how much of a success it's been. But even if this mission doesn't match the models and the predictions, it still will be a success. You know, the nature of doing any sort of science is sometimes you just don't know what's going to happen. And with this mission being the first of its kind, I think the margin for success is very wide. Um, I guess to, to, to paraphrase the Apollo astronauts, hopefully it will be a success, but it might be a very successful failure. <laughs> So a lot of people, when it comes to things like these these DART spacecraft, these spacecraft like DART, a lot of people tend to sort of anthropomorphize them, and and a lot of people will be thinking, well, what's going to happen to poor old DART after the impact? You know, is it is it just going to drift off quietly into space? That's a good question. It, it depends on the nature of the asteroid. You see, some asteroids are very sort of compact on their surface. If if you were to jump on them 
you know, ignoring the low gravity, they feel very firm underfoot. But some asteroids are incredibly loose. They're more like loose aggregates of rubble, and we call them rubble pile asteroids. And so exactly what will happen to poor old Dart after collision will entirely depend on the surface of the asteroid and its geological nature, which we just don't know right now. So just sort of looking forwards a little bit, so how do we go about tracking asteroids from from the Earth, you know, and how is that technology improving? Yeah, so thankfully, space agencies around the world put a little bit of money aside for asteroid tracking, and there's a huge database of all of the asteroids, well, not all of them, but all the, you know, the big asteroids that are orbiting the sun, um, down to a certain size limit. But once you get below a certain size, asteroids become quite tricky. And there's sort of this this horrible, grey, blurry boundary between an asteroid being big enough to do a bit of damage if it hit the Earth, but so small that it's quite difficult to track. But luckily, space agencies are working on it, and we have a pretty good idea of exactly where all of the potentially hazardous asteroids are and their probability of hitting the Earth going forward into the future. So you mentioned there about the size of the the asteroid and and the the kind of seriousness of its impact. So do you know do we know exactly or roughly even how big an asteroid has to be to cause serious damage? Well, put it this way, an asteroid the size of the Eiffel Tower, which is about 300 meters in diameter, strikes the earth approximately every 80,000 years and that releases the same amount of energy as 50 hydrogen bombs being detonated simultaneously. And there are potentially 900 potentially hazardous asteroids that are more than one kilometre across. And if one of those hit the Earth, it would be the same as almost 2,000 hydrogen bombs worth of energy, which is, you know, on a local scale devastating, but it would certainly put a lot of the sort of crises that we've gone through in the last couple of decades into, into pale comparison if something like that happened. It's worth noting as well that the dinosaurs went extinct when an asteroid hit the Earth 64 million years ago, but that was a pretty big asteroid. That was about 20 kilometres across, and it, of course, caused a mass extinction that led to the extinction of the dinosaurs, but the ultimate rise of the mammals. Yeah, so you mentioned that there's 900 of these like significantly large asteroids um, that we, we've observed. So how big is the threat of one of these actually hitting the Earth? I mean, and can we even say that? Well, a particularly interesting asteroid is actually the target of a current NASA mission, OSIRIS-REx, and that's asteroid Bennu. Bennu is about 500 metres across, which is something like five football pitches, something like that. And there's actually a chance that it will hit the Earth in the latter half of the next century. In about 150 years or so, there's about a one in 3,000 chance that it would hit the Earth. And if it did hit the Earth, it would certainly cause a catastrophe, which is one of the reasons why NASA selected it for their OSIRIS-REx mission. So you mentioned there that, you know, in the, there's a one in, what did you say, one in 3,000 chance? Approximately, something like that, something like that. It's a little bit worrying, you know, are there any other missions planned to to defend the Earth from asteroid impact? I'm sure that one's asteroid Bennu has been, you know, more thoroughly studied by OSIRIS-REx and its orbital parameters are nailed down a bit more. If that chance did increase, I would seriously hope that space agencies around the world would start scrambling more missions together to learn how to deflect asteroids. It's just worth reflecting as well on the price of this mission, how much it costs in monetary sense. It costs 280 million quid, all said and done, the DART mission. And that sounds like a lot of money, but for something that might potentially you know, save humankind from extinction in the future. It's actually not a lot. We spent two and a half times that amount of money on bananas last year in the supermarkets in the UK. And so the, the, it really is pittance compared to how much we spend on other things. And for something as, as important as the long-term future of humanity, 
um, I think it's money pretty well spent. Thank you for listening to this episode of Instant Genius. That was chemist and geologist Tim Gregory. If you want to know more about space rocks, check out his book, Meteorite, The Stones from Outer Space That Made Our World. The current issue of BBC Science Focus magazine is out now. To read more about all things science, pick up a copy wherever you buy your favourite magazines or visit sciencefocus.com. Thank you.